0: Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. ...without doing the first one, one Peter. So let's do one Peter and let's do to peter so that's what we're going to be looking at and um and we're going to do it it's going to be one of these ones that will happen for a while <laughs> uh, i think in the evenings because there's just so so much to it so if you find it in the new testament you know who peter was most of us he's the fisherman he's the one who gets stuff wrong a lot he calls himself in second peter he, calls, he says um simon peter he's got two names well, Actually, he's got three names he's also known as cephas which is like the aramaic name so his name is Peter that's the name that his mum would have given him if you like but then Jesus comes and meets him and says I'm going to give you a new name I'm going to call you oh no sorry his name is Simon Simeon Simeon Hebrew name Simeon that's his given name mum come uh, that's what his mum gave him Jesus comes and says I'm going to call you Peter which means rock or Cephas in Aramaic and from then on there's times when he calls himself Simon and sometimes he calls himself Peter and I always think it's interesting it's a bit like he's got his old name and his new name and that's maybe why we can relate to him because he's got the the who he used to be and then he's got the who Jesus says he is and there's this kind of a struggle between him and maybe that's why he's a bit more relatable to some of us you know Paul never gets called Saul Paul he's just like I was Saul that's gone hello i'm paul and and maybe some of us are more like that you can kind of go yeah there was this old life that was a new life chalk and cheese it's all done but i kind of get this thing of, of simon peter that there's always been something of a struggle throughout his life and there's times when when he lets jesus down as we know very famously he lets himself down he says i'm you know everybody else might walk away turn their backs on you i'll never do that out of his own pride and then he does it and he fails once twice three times he just denies jesus on the same day as he said i'll never do that he does it three times and then after the resurrection jesus appears to him at the end of john's gospel read about this and restores him three times and every time he calls him simon (laughs) when you read that it's interesting he doesn't call him peter because he's addressing the old guy he's addressing the old man because he's basically saying out of the old man you you denied me out of you going back to who you used to be you kept on messing it up is that true when we mess up isn't it that we go back to being who who the old guy is the old man the old woman when i go back to the old ways i do the old things and then he restores him and he says I want you to feed my lambs I want you to look after my sheep I've still got a job for you you've not blown it so much that that um, it's done with and and then Peter becomes this incredible leader in the church we remember today the church celebrates the day of Pentecost the time that the one who is a chicken becomes bold as a lion on the day of Pentecost and stands up in front of everybody and 3,000 people become Christians on his first sermon it's pretty good going these people are amazed when they see that and then they take note of somebody like Peter and the other guys and they say you know these are just ordinary unschooled men they're not the religious professionals but we can see they've been with Jesus they take note it says that they've been with Jesus there's something about them because they've been with Jesus something has started to transform in their lives and then the years go on and then we get to him writing letters And it's interesting I just want to do a little bit of a background thing today Around, uh, around Peter before a bit of an overview of it to help you to get your head around what kind of a letter it is because it's really for people under pressure um, AD 64 the Emperor Nero looks out at a part of Rome and he thinks oh, that scruffy bit with all those poor people in I, I don't want that to be the scruffy part with all those poor people in anymore so I'm going to burn it down and then I'll be able to build some new palaces and nice marble stuff. So he gets some people to go and set fires in this part of Rome. And all these fires keep starting. And even when they try and put them out, it's like somebody's going around starting new ones. And then after this, the people start to revolt. And they, because they've heard, you know, this story Nero fiddled while Rome burned. Well, the fact is the violin wasn't invented, so that part isn't true. But maybe he did because he was crazy play some kind of musical instrument and look at it from his balcony and and think it was great but then there's this revolt that starts to happen in the city and people are saying why should we have an emperor who comes and does it and so then what he says is oh no it wasn't me i didn't do it there's these people who are strange people in the city in the city of rome we have these people they're like from a jewish background but most of them but they they worship a guy called crestus christ they call him and they say that he is god and they won't even join him with us worshiping all the pantheon of gods they're saying like he's the only god they're these really weird subversive people these christians these followers of christ they need they, they, they need stamping out you've got to watch people like that they're like terrorists they're going to set fire to things they have these things called love feasts they, they they're cannibals They eat the body and blood, they say. They're like really bad people. So let's find out who's Christian and get them. And the next thing is, there's incredible persecution that takes place. They would get Christians and they would tie them in leather bags, really tight, and then throw them into the water so that the leather would shrink, suffocate them and they'd drown. He 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 would cover men, women, and children, Christians, in like tar and pitch, and and famously, he put them all through his gardens and set them on fire to be like blazing torches at night. Put them into the uh, into the, you know in in the the gladiators would kill Christians. You name it. It was incredible persecution. This is around the time that Peter's writing this letter. And he's writing from Rome. And the next one that he writes to Peter is written from prison in Rome. And then a couple of years after 2 Peter, there is no more Peter. Peter has died. He's been martyred. Famously, he says, I don't deserve to be crucified in the same way as my Lord. I couldn't have that honor. So they crucify him upside down. Which is why the cross of St. Peter is an upside down cross. So we're talking about pressure. We're talking about hope. It's our year of hope, and one of the things that you find in Peter's book a lot in the letter is he talks about hope, hope despite problems, hope despite pressures. Because like, the fact is, in life, if you're going to make progress, you're going to have to deal with problems, and you're going to have to go through pressures. Is that true? What do you, you know, how often when we get a problem or a pressure, do we feel like, oh, that's terrible? But actually. The obstacle could become an opportunity the the stumbling block could be a stepping stone into something else the fact is whether or not you see it like that you're gonna have to deal with it how do you deal with problems and pressures how do you how do you well one thing that Peter would say and we're gonna read this is look for the purpose because you're going to have problems and you're going to have pressures but believing that god has still got a purpose and that he's working a purpose out through it can give you hope and encouragement see if you want a place with no problems i'll take you to the graveyard people there haven't got any problems but until then we're going to have to push against resistance so saw an interview with a professional boxer a while ago and his, uh, people were saying, oh, he's got an incredible body, a bit like Anthony Joshua. And how do you do that? And he says, I push against resistance every day. It's, it's, isn't the pushing against the resistance that we get stronger? How do we push against resistance? How can the problems and the pressures, how can the problems of life become like the gym that train us rather than something that just crushes us? This is the kind of thing that we're going to look at in these letters from Peter and so I just want to skim through it do a bird's eye view of the passage now uh, sorry, of, of, of what Peter's writing about and I'm only going to do one Peter today you'll be quick, to please to know what we're going to do is go skim right through it and then in weeks ahead at different times when I come I'm going to be picking some bits out of it and going a little bit deeper down into it but um, this is a letter about how we can have hope in hard times should we put the first the next slide on this is how it starts Peter an apostle of Jesus Christ so he's speaking out of who Jesus says he is notice that at the beginning of this one and Peter I've messed up I'm not perfect but I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ so there's humility but there's also authority going on here he knows who he is and he can stand in that place and he can say I am who Jesus says I am and I can do the things that Jesus says that I can do i've been sent apostle just means sent i i'm sent by jesus my life is sent i'm on a mission i'll, I'll go where he ten, sends me to do what he tells me and then who's he writing to see the way they wrote letters they didn't like when we finish a letter we put the, our name at the bottom of it don't we dear Bla- whoever it is then there's the letter and then we finish it off well you'll find in the new testament they would always start off by introducing themselves and then they would say what they want to say so he's saying here's who i am and then he gets into it who's it to the pilgrims, was somebody on a journey. Of the dispersion, that means basically scattered people. Because persecution has come and people are now on the run. Christians are like being having all these things happen to them and they're spreading out everywhere. So Peter writes a letter to all these people to be sent around to encourage them. Elect, that means basically chosen. He says, you might not feel like things are going well for you you need to know you're chosen out of all of those people that are scattered around the world god's put his hand on you and picked you to belong to him and and according to the foreknowledge of god the father god knew what he was doing in sanctification of the spirit which means basically the holy spirit makes us pure makes us his for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of jesus christ in other words this is how we get forgiven this is how we get this love into us is that we we are chosen, we are known, we are made holy. And then, because of that happening, because we've been cleansed by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we go and do the things that he calls us to do. So he says, grace to you and peace be multiplied. That's just like he's opening up. And he, 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 he goes on in the next, next one, he says... Um, blessed be the god and father of our lord jesus christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again that's this phrase born again people freak out about that phrase born again it's so often it's in the bible the idea of you need a new life you can't just scrub up the old one you need to have that fresh start that new you need to become like that baby and it can happen just Held in love like that baby, not something you make happen, it happens. Born again to a living hope. Say, living hope. Living hope. This isn't this is a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. From the, dead, the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead means nothing's impossible. If Jesus did that, he can do anything. So, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. We don't just have a hope, uh, I hope it gets better, we don't just have optimism we have a living hope means as long as jesus is alive i can have hope and guess what he lives forever there's no circumstance there's no situation where i can't have hope if i've got jesus i've got hope so i've got a living hope through the resurrection of jesus christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and defiled that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you see the faithfulness of god john's here contacted me earlier today. Funny old story, don't really in, still know all about it. But he's talking to me about something that happened back in nineteen ninety five, when I'd just come to be the curer, when I left the police over a place in Columpton in Devon, and there's this incredible story which I haven't got the time to go into the details of, but he's basically involved with tracking down an inheritance from somebody. And so he's travelling all up and down the country trying to piece this thing together to make sure that the right person gets the inheritance that's coming to them well you know what God's got an inheritance for you and he wants to make sure you get it he wants to make sure you get everything that's coming to you because of what Jesus has done for you he wants to track you down and find you in his love and make sure that you get it all and this inheritance unlike any earthly inheritance where hey great here's 10,000 pound or whatever it is this is incorruptible and undefiled and doesn't fade away because it's reserved in heaven for you so so the the nearer you get to dying yourself the closer you get to what's coming to you it's not like you're getting further away from it you're getting closer and closer to this who are kept i love that we are kept by the power of god through faith for salvation which is ready to be revealed in the last time so there's all this great stuff that is is encouraging them to hold on to right at the beginning so they've got a living hope but they're suffering remember They're going through really hard times. They're getting kicked out of workplaces. They're having their homes confiscated. They're having all these things. Why? Because they're Christians. I think that could happen in the church. I think that could happen in the future for Christians. I think that the days in which Christians, even now, is getting worse. I think there are times in which we really will know what it is like to, to to stand up and be counted. As Christians. And there'll be a suffering that increases. Good job the grace increases at the same time. Because these are suffering. So, what are they doing while they're suffering? What do we do while we're, while we're suffering? I tend to moan a bit. Let's be honest. You know, I'm, what is this happening? Well, this is what they're doing. Next verse. In this you greatly rejoice. That needs the Holy Spirit's power. That's not natural. The natural thing is is to greatly moan. Though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom, having not seen you love though now you do not see him yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory receiving the end of your faith the salvation of your souls see they're going through trials but he says these trials are tests you're going through fire but gold goes through fire doesn't it and when it goes through the fire all the dross burns away so, the things that we go through, there's things that we might not choose to go through. We might hate going through. I don't want to go through that, but I go through it and I come out of it the other end different. Is this true? Have we gone through some stuff in our lives and you'd really rather not choose it and you think, I don't know why that happened? God, why did that happen? Then one day maybe you look back and you say, Oh, you were burning that off. You were closing off that relationship. It seemed really hard at the time, but I'm glad. You were cutting off that part of me at the time. And, I'm re- and it seemed really hard at the time. I'm glad. Maybe we don't always get to see that. One day we will. When we see him, we'll look back at our lives and all those things that seem like an unkindness of God, we're going to go, wow, God, you are so kind. I just didn't see it. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for what I said. Because you see, I didn't see what you were doing. I didn't know what you were doing at the time. I thought I knew what was going on. I didn't have a clue. I'm sorry. And then he says, it's all right. Receive a reward. Receive a reward. Because that's the kind of God he is these trials he says they're fire that test the goal and they're going to triumph through the trials he says the same thing in the next chapter chapter 2 verse 19 and through to verse 21 he talks about the call of a christian involves the call of suffering it's linked to that it isn't just oh you become a christian and god loves you and it's all going to be great that's not real it's not realistic. i mean that is also true there are good things and great things that happen but at the same time it comes with the territory to suffer when you've not done anything wrong even he says that too he says things that are going to happen to you and it won't be fair we hate that i like fair i only want fair unfair will happen he says this is commendable if because of conscience towards God one endures grief in other words if you say you know what what everybody else is saying about that being right I believe it's wrong and if you get in trouble for that and you go you endure grief you get grief for that suffering wrongfully for doing what's right that's commendable to God for what credit is it if when you're beaten for your faults you take it patiently in other words if you just do something bad and you suffer for it you deserve to but when you do good and suffer. If you take it patiently. This is commendable before God. Take it. Patiently. For to this you were called. What? I thought I was called to just sing in church. You know. I thought I was called just to go to a house group sometimes. And. I have a nice times with my friends no no so this you were called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that you should follow his steps I don't want to go in those steps you know why those steps have got blood prints those steps are, 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 are the steps of Jesus Christ that I'm following and he's carrying a cross I don't want to put my feet you know it's that lovely thing we have footprints don't we Oh, and during those times when I was on the sand. You know, you know the thing, I mean, people put it on tea towels. Have you seen it? It's like, oh, you know, one night a man I was, was walking with the Lord and he was like, oh, what's happened? And, and it, it's basically, it's all like he just wants to comfort me and take me through and all that. And I saw these footprints in the sand. That was the times when I carried you. <laughs> the footprints of Christ, the reason we can tell that they're his is because there's blood all over them. Next chapter, verses chapter three, verse fourteen. It says, "Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you are blessed. Do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify, set apart the Lord God in your hearts. In other words, make a decision: I am going to follow Him, no matter what, and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear." I am going to come back to that, having a good conscience, so that when they defame you as evil doers, when they say How horrible you are, how judgmental you are, how terrible you are, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. For it's better if it's the will of God to suffer for doing evil, doing good than for doing evil. So much in this. I'm gonna have to, as I say, spend time unpacking this in these weeks ahead. But you know, basically saying, you know, when they strike you, when they hurt you, what do you do? Turn the other cheek. And don't be surprised this is the next chapter 4 don't be surprised don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial that's happening to you as if some strange thing happened to you but rejoice to the extent that you partake of christ's suffering so that when his glory is revealed you may also be glad with exceeding joy if you reproach for the name of christ blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of god rests on you this is, but let none of you suffer as a murderer a thief an evildoer or as a busybody in other people's matters this isn't like an excuse to be one of those people on facebook who just objects to everything in the name of jesus you know one of these people who jumps on every bandwagon and you know hates people in jesus name and meddles and gets involved in stuff that's nothing to do with them he's saying don't suffer because of that don't be like that Yet, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. In this matter. What's the matter? Whatever the matter is, in that matter, glorify Jesus. You go through it. In the midst of the suffering, he says you're going to have anxiety. What are you going to do with that? You know, when you suffer at the hands of slanderers, of the enemy, of his servants, people tell lies about you. What do you do? Chapter 5, verses 6 to 9. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Other people, other people might not see it. They might never come around and say they're sorry and all that kind of stuff. But you know what you do? Rather than getting pride and attacking back, this is a harder thing to do, the tougher thing to do, is humble yourself and just trust him casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you So like, instead of just holding on to stuff yourself cast it on him give it to him you, don't, you can't carry it don't carry it cast it hand it on to him because he cares for you I love that verse casting all your cares upon him because he cares for you be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour resist him don't just go with the flow. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brothers and sisters across the world. You know there are places, aren't there, around the world, even now, where a Christian to be a Christian still means tremendous persecution, torture. I it, it, I can't even I, I, I read some of these things that get put out there. I can't finish them. So often. I get angry, but I also get so sad. And I just think, you know, the church is still under incredible pressure. And yet these people still keep rising up. There's nothing stops the gospel. You know, me and Zoe have sometimes talked over the years and had that kind of conversation about, you know, when they do those things like where it's like, deny Christ or else, what would you do? And like, I don't think I'm brave enough. I don't think I'm courageous enough. And now you read these stories all of that. And then we've all just got to say, you get the grace for what you go through. When you get it. He doesn't give you the grace ahead of time. For what you're going to go through. It's when you get there. You get what you need to get through. So I, I don't know. But I believe that we'll receive what we need. To get us through the things that he calls us to go through. Whatever that is. And then ultimately you see. In the, when we look through Peter. At the background a bit like here. At the background of everything he talks about. always There's always the cross it's not in the foreground like in some other letters in the bible it's just in the back it's like peter's always got the cross at the back of his mind in some way and he's saying you know what no matter what's going on keep on trusting keep on believing because god knows what's going on jesus christ suffered leaving you an example despite the problems despite the pressures jesus kept on walking and he says there's a way for you to be able to bear up underneath what you're going through rather than it get you down if you'll entrust yourself to him again. See chapter 4 verse 19 kind of sums it all up for me. It says basically don't let the bad things get you down or keep you down. Whatever you go through just keep going. Winston Churchill the famous quote isn't there? When you're going through hell what do you do? Keep going. So he says let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him as to a faithful creator and do good don't let something bad stop you doing something good don't let something bad stop you believing God is still good and when you do that it's weird if you meet somebody like that a Christian who who doesn't cave under that pressure if if you're not a Christian you're going to look at that person and go what's going on there how come how come you're going through that same as I am but not the same as I am he says that this is is nobody's idea of an evangelism strategy of how to do it but it actually is the most effective one because again we just go on to the next slide we'll go back over that verse that I said we'd come back to but set, set the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. Sanctify the Lord God in your heart. And always be ready to give a defense. That's like apologia. We talked about this before. Reason. It's all linked in this. To everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. With meekness and respect. So it's like the idea of this is. Christians should be the kind of people who go through the same stuff as everybody else. In a different way. So that then people come up to them and go. How come. How come you you still got some joy. You shouldn't have joy. Not after that happened and that happened and that happened. Surely you should have given up by now. Why have you not given up? And there should be something and the question for me is, is there, is there anything about my life that has people coming up to me and saying, what's that about? And the only answer to their question is Jesus. It's not, oh, because you know I've got a good exercise program or because I took my vitamins or because I've been sleeping well recently or whatever no the answer is Jesus he's the answer and he says when we we live like that he says it will actually cause our critics to be ashamed so Peter knew we're going to see this in the study over and over again how important the cross is and in the end as I said It was so important to him that he refused to be crucified in the same manner as the Lord. And he said, I want to be crucified upside down. And all of this is about that the cross is the place of the intersection of suffering and hope. It's the intersection of the worst things that ever happen, meeting God's transformation in such a way that the worst things can become the best. The cross was the the cross of Jesus Christ was the place of greatest suffering and desolation and loneliness and shame in history. Well beyond the torture of human suffering was the the divine suffering of Jesus who had never sinned taking the sins of the world including the sins of Peter including the sins of Anson Delaney including your sins and carrying them on the cross he who had knew no sin became sin for us on the cross that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus the one who never deserved it took it all to take it away the pain of death visited on the prince of life the pain of hate put on the one who is loved the pain of injustice carried by the only righteous one the alienation and separation the pain of that the one who'd always been in intimate connection with the father that is broken so that we can be restored and brought back to god nobody else could do it see peter dying on a cross is again is a glorious example of heroine, heroism but it wouldn't save any of us because he was not god Only Jesus can save us. And so it's because of that, out of the greatest suffering came the greatest triumph. Therefore, the cross of Jesus Christ is the only place for everlasting, living hope for you and for me. And he says, that leaves us an example of how we get through whatever we go through i'm going to finish with a verse that's not out of peter but it's one that i think will help us as we pray and as the band come up hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3 consider him it says consider him he's talking about jesus not peter consider him that's so peter wasn't thinking about himself on the cross he was thinking about the one on the cross who had gone to forgive him and restore him and the one who was opening up the way for something beyond that suffering that he was going to go to he says consider him jesus who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart so he's saying there's something about just thinking about the cross this is why it's at the center of christianity something about singing about the cross thinking about the cross looking at the cross thinking about that that when I'm feeling weary when I'm ready to lose heart rather than just speaking to myself and try to cheer myself up maybe that's the time I need to go back to the cross think about the cross considering Jesus and the opposition and the, the, what he went through and when I think about that somehow that's going to help me not to give up not to grow weary, not to lose heart. Let's pray, Lord, thank you. for bringing us back to God. It's one of the th- I want just, just a few of these things are things that Peter writes about. Thank you for purchasing us with the most precious substance in the universe it wasn't silver and gold it was blood the blood of Jesus Christ which cleanses us from all of our sins and and washes us thank you that you thought we were worth paying the ultimate price for when we weren't but in your love you've you've granted us you you've sought us out to receive an inheritance that's never going to fade away nobody can ever take it away and whenever we suffer whatever we go through right now Lord I pray that you'd help us to keep us going through the test and the trial and you would bring us forth as gold through that and after we have suffered a little while as Peter encourages us thank you that you The God of all grace will perfect, confirm, strengthen and establish us. So we we pray as he did at the end of saying that. To you be dominion, you be rule, reign and glory forever and ever. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org slash media.